All right, welcome back to the Bear Down segment. That's part of the Coach Steve show. Zach is here. And also with Zach, we have a special guest, Mr. Braggs Jr. from the CHGO Bears podcast. Biggest guest we've had, maybe. Actually, only guest we've had, so. <laughs> I'm sure you'll, you'll find yeah. a bigger one here eventually. Don't you worry. <laughs> well, I didn't tell you before we recorded, my podcast is a hodgepodge. It's my thoughts on, well, you and I are about to be enemies because Illinois plays Purdue. I'm an uh -huh. Illinois fan. I grew up by Champaign-Urbana. So that's yep. why we tell your still your defensive coordinator too, Ryan you, Walters. So. You did, um, but this is a hodgepodge. I've talked to college football coaches all over the country, and then I'm a Bears fan, so I said, "Screw it, we're gonna do a Bears thing too." So I can do that. So this is a hodgepodge. So you're the first guest for the Bear Down part of this. Excellent. Well, let's let her rip, man. I'm ready. Yeah. Well, welcome here, uh, Zach. You can start it off. You're the big Fox Sports worker over there. Yeah, and it, well, yeah, pointing out where I'm at over here in Arizona, but uh, yeah, Greg, hey, welcome, welcome aboard. It's funny him introducing me, and it's like, oh yeah, by the way, don't mind, we got someone, we got a producer from CHGO. I got nervous. Here. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm, I'm messing with you, Steve. <laughs> uh, but let, look, let's kick into the, into this thing. I mean, uh, and just dive in. Look, it's, it's week four of the NFL season, week four of the Bears season, Greg. I mean, yep. obviously, CHGO, us, we've all had our own thoughts on just everything that's been going on or in more correct terms wrong with this Chicago team. It's nothing new. Um, and I think uh, just to kind of put to bed some of the things from at least the last week plus, it's more just kicking the show off. How do we move forward now three plus weeks into this season and just knowing that I'm not sure where we go too much upward with because we're, we're kind of – we're in the early stages of, all right, unless this thing turns around and has a momentous change, because I know it's been referenced, well, the Lions started one and six last season, but that doesn't feel like that. And we have to kind of <laughs> tempt ourselves. We have to be like patient, tempt ourselves. Hey, this feels like a, something similar we were dealing with post like first five weeks of last year. And now right. we're into kind of, okay, let's feel this out again. But now we've have new upgrades, new pieces. I mean, how do we move forward? That's that's the first thing I think fans and even us as like media personnel or people that cover this have are always curious about. Well, they got to win a goddamn football game. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's how <laughs> I mean, we move forward from this because if they don't, this is just going to continue to spiral from the fans being upset and the tension, you know, from that regard. But then more importantly, the finger pointing. You know, uh, you know, in the in Hallis Hall, from the coaches to the players, which is what started first. I know all the press clippings came from Justin Fields' comments, right. but if you really paid attention to the press conferences the first two weeks, they had taken just as many subtle shots at Justin Fields for not executing what they were asking him to do, and then Justin Fields, in my opinion, was just kind of sticking up for himself. Now, was that the right thing to do? Probably, in my opinion, probably not. It's not a good thing to take your gripes to the media. That's something that a healthy locker room, you know, uh, takes care of in-house. They don't uh -huh. give the media that fodder. But this is where we're at with this team because it's CYA mode. Everybody's covering their ass. And, <laughs> right. and Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze are pointing the finger one way, and Justin Fields like, well, you ain't throwing me under the bus because at the end of the day, they could all lose their jobs at the end of this year and be looking for new employment somewhere else. So they all got to put out their PR – move of well hey this ain't on me this ain't on me and, and that's not a healthy environment so how they move on is they beat a team that gave up 70 points and 700 yards of offense last week and if they can't do that 
the finger pointing is going to get worse. And the only thing that might save them from people's jobs getting taken, whether it's the coaches or the QBs, is that it's a short week. Other than that, heads would probably be rolling otherwise. I mean, I'm glad you point out, of course, just not because I think the Justin Fields comment discussion has dominated so much. But the fact is that, you know, we have seen coaches have to make subtle jabs. It's like it's really trying to kind of dance a fine line right now. You know, any I think any press conference, whether it's post game or post practice right now is very it feels very razor thin margins of trying to get by and kind of not set something off to just keep on making a domino effect downward right now. Uh, and you're absolutely right. I mean, in terms of where we're at in this t coaching tenure, and honestly this GM tenure too with where we're at, all the hype going into the season I think a lot of people had with some of the new acquisitions and the things we were expecting. You know, it, this does feel exactly like, we, like we've seen in other coaching tenures over the previous decade where it's going, oh, boy, here we go again. Now it's trying to save something and grab for straws. And, you know, maybe something will finally work and kick these boys into gear. Otherwise, I'm going to be walking out of the door of Hallis Hall and watching some other schmuck walk in here in the next, like, three to four months after me. Yep. That then will take my job. And I'm almost wonder wondering if it's a case where, you know, I'm not saying it's both, but we've seen the same song and dance where, Coach leaves, GM gets a year kicked out. Coach leaves, GM gets a year kicked out. And we're still early into that process, but I imagine both are going, uh, let's see if this thing changes for the better sooner rather than later. You know, because new additions were added, same results have happened. Yep. <laughs> and it's kind of it's surprising, I think, to most people. Well, I mean, that's what they say. The definition of insanity <laughs> is repeating yes. the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And that's where they're at. And when you talk about, you know, Luke Getze coming to the podium yesterday and saying, oh, we had eight to ten plays we left on the field because of execution. As I've said for the last three weeks, start with personal accountability. That may be true, Luke Getze, but what can you do better to put your team in a position to win a game? Because a lot smarter minds than me are pointing out schemes that don't make sense, route mm -hmm. concepts that don't make sense. So why don't you start with, you know, whenever you're in an argument with somebody, when you say you, you did this and you did that, that puts people on the defensive. Uh -huh. When you say I, I did this and I need to do that, that disarms a person and then opens up a conversation that can be healthier. Anytime you start with pointing the finger, it's never a good sign and it never leads to healthy results. Yeah, yeah, because no. that's why I was shocked to see that as a coach. When we lose a game, we go, we didn't do everything we could, you know. So I think we were all incredibly shocked when Justin Fields pointed the finger, but like you said, Luke Getz and them are pointing fingers as well. Like, were you more shocked about that than anything else? Because I was. I was like, you're, you're, you're acting like you're taking responsibility, but you're kind of pointing it to the players, which they have to execute. But that's where you say, we we don't do what we need to do. Yeah, I, I think the whole thing's just bad. I mean, that's why I, I did lose my mind the way I did in the Bucks game, the end of the Bucks game, because as much as I want to not accept these feelings in my mind, but it was one of those moments where I was like, uh-oh, this is over. And it's crazy that we've gone from before the season, you couldn't have told me otherwise that this team wasn't going to win eight or more games. But at the end of the day, I was wrong. 
and a lot of us were wrong. And when the season started, now you're seeing what the actual product is and what the problems actually are. Last year, it was easier to, you know, to rationalize why things weren't going right. The roster's mm-hmm. bad. First year in Luke Getzey's offense. Justin right, Fields right. getting all these different rationalizations. Worst roster in the league. This year, the excuses have ran dry. And so that was one of those moments where this realization had washed over me that this wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And I really, and at this point, they have to just prove me wrong twice because they proved me wrong once with me thinking they were going to be a good football team. And now I'm totally open for them to prove me wrong again. And at that point, we can just stop listening to what I have to say. But, <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, I'm just calling it like I see it. And when I watched how that Bucks game unfolded and then watched Matt Eberflus come up to the podium after the game and then on Monday doubling down that the screen pass back-to-back was a good play call was A, moronic, and B, throwing your quarterback under the bus. You know, so mm-hmm. it just all of it to me just equals a recipe for disaster. As you mentioned, Zach, something we've seen many times over here in Chicago between Mark Trestman, John Fox, and uh, Matt Nagy, and then just take your pick of whatever quarterback they eventually benched with Jay Cutler, Mitch Trubisky. You know, it, it, we've seen this time and again where the quarterback is the one that eventually gets the blame placed on them. And then the coaches convince everyone we're going to put in the other guy because what I'm doing isn't the problem. Right. Right. You know, I, I'll tell you going since post lovey Smith, it is kind of weird. You see more of those posts now looking back. It's, you know, hindsight's 2020, of course, you know, being it's over a decade now since lovey walked out the door of Hallis hall for the last time. But like, it's amazing seeing more and more how people have brought up the bear some and some folks just being casually bringing it up. The bears fired Lovey Smith after a 10 and six season yep. and look where they've gone. It's like, wait, a, and, and you know, you can bring up context and all that, but then you think back and you go, well, man, it's, it has been kind of a roller coaster ride since the third winningest coach in Chicago bears history did kind of walk out the door. Um, and not saying that, you know, he went on and did like a, did essentially an Andy Reed and had a, you know, second tenure, but it's kind of, it's just amazing to see where things have kind of fallen and how rinse and repeat things have been. Hell, you talk about Jay Cutler. Um, I ain't going to, I ain't going to sugarcoat it. I was not, I was not a Jay Cutler sympathetic person um, post that era, but looking back and seeing so many of the mistakes and some of them that are being repeated right now, like where's the investment in offensive line that was desperately needed for two straight seasons that didn't, at least didn't happen as much as it should have this past off season that have repeated itself. And I'm going, you know what? Looking back on that tenure, it's amazing that correlation. Jay Cutler got beat up so much. And part of that, heck, part of the reason you can look at that 2012 season for Lovey Smith, that he doesn't stick around, they started 7-1. and one. Jay Cutler gets knocked out mid-season after one of the best starts to a Bears yep. season ever. And history could have been completely different if he's there. All because, in one regard or another, offensive line quality was degrading during his tenure alone. Yep. You know, Mitch had a bit of an uptick for a little bit on, on some production, but it was still, I never thought it really lived up to that snuff of elite line play. And it's been kind of lingering for about a decade or so. We've been maybe average at best for a peak. But it continues to be a problem that doesn't truly get addressed, it seems, completely. Yep. 
I mean, we've never had a healthy environment to develop a quarterback. I mean, that much is obvious. But the trap I think we fall into as fans, and I've fallen into this many of times, um, I was once a, one of the biggest Jay Cutler fans when we first got him. Um, back when nobody really knew who I was, I once went to a Bears Expo. That's what they used to call the draft nights, but mm-hmm. it was more of a, it was called the Bears Expo, and they'd bring the whole team there. It wasn't draft related. And you could actually ask questions to the coaches and players. It was awesome. They don't okay. do it anymore, which is disappointing. Not a surprise why they don't do it anymore. <laughs> uh, but when we got Jay Cutler, I had the whole Cadillac Club room give them a standing ovation. I went up to the mic and said, give these guys a round of applause for finally bringing a quarterback to Chicago. And everybody went crazy. And that was like one of my first moments I had ever had as, as like this putting myself in the spotlight of, you know, me and Jeff Joni actually, actually struck up a friendship after that. Cause I think he was just surprised that I had the balls nice. to go up there and do something like that. And that was how big of a Cutler fanatic I was at first. And then by the end of his tenure, I couldn't have hated him more because I didn't like his attitude. He had all the intangibles. His leadership was the one he was missing. You know, you know, when you moved to Mitch Trubisky, it was the opposite. He, I thought he did have leadership and uh-huh. maturity intangibles that Jay Cutler did not. He didn't have the other <laughs> intangibles, right. like reading the field. From You hear the Josh Lucas interview. It, during the film room, he could tell you all the reads. He could tell you everything pre-snap. But then when the game started, he couldn't, do, he couldn't process it the same. So that was what was missing from his game. Justin Fields, I think he's got that Derrick Rose mentality. And, you know, uh, calm demeanor, you know, work hard, you know. Uh, and I, I do think he's a natural born leader to an extent, but he's got processing issues. He's got, you know, uh, you know, can't, can't deliver the football with anticipation problems. Maybe he'll be able to fix those. Maybe he won't, but that's the problem we get into when you talk about, you know, offensive coordinators shuffling in and out for, you know, I think Jay had a different one every year for like five yes. years. That's what we used Pretty to say. Much. Offensive Pretty lines have always been an issue. Wide receivers. are. We, we say all these different things, but at the end of the day, the quarterback is also the problem. And we try to rationalize these other things to make our, it's a, and the funniest thing is like, if I go on my show and say Jake, or if I go on my show and say, Justin Fields ain't it, ladies and gentlemen, I'll have a million comments going, you're a hater. You're not. You're not a. You're not a real Bears fan. But if I say Matt Eberflus sucks, nobody cares because it's much easier to rail the coaches than it is our 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 darling players. We want these players to work out. Of course we do. But at some point you got to call it for what it is. And it's an it's it's an everything problem. It's not just a one. Pro- we used to with the Mitch and Nagy thing. We went through this, and I understand Justin Fields has way more potential and talent than Mitch Trubisky does. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing. Uh-huh. It's, it's, a, it's a both problem. Yep. If mm-hmm. you also want to include the offensive line, because that was also a problem back then. You know, so we kind, of, we kind of spin ourselves in circles here and make ourselves dizzy trying to figure out. And we always just want it to be one thing, and it's not just one thing. And at the end of the day, when you look at Aaron Rodgers, he's, never, he's, he's had years where he didn't have a great offensive line. Yep. Did Tom Brady have, you know, world class wide receivers back in the early 2000s no. when Kurt Warner was thrown to Isaac Bruce and you know and, and some Hall of Hall of Fame uh wide receivers? No. He made, you know, Deion Branch 
the dude was playing corner and wide receiver. You know, like you had, yeah. he was until he got Randy Moss, he didn't have these world beaters. He turned Wes Welker, you know, uh -huh. Julian Edelman. Why? Because the that's what the greats do. And at some point, the quarterback has to overcome some things right. that aren't perfect. Not all. And, and and maybe there's just too much for him to overcome. But at the end of the day, what does it fucking matter? Everybody's right. like, oh, well, if, if, they had, if they had the play caller and if they had this and that, then it would be perfect. Well, we don't. And it's not working. And this is this is money on the table time because they have two first round picks. So, you know, you might want to be patient, but the organization is probably going to go a different way. So at the end of the day, yeah, in a perfect world or in a different universe, this all could have worked out. But right now it's not. And we, you can't just assign one person to the problem. It's an everybody problem. Right. I mean, you have to address it on. You know, what kills me is I, I do see a lot. It, it is amazing kind of divulging how. I think you look at the fan talk around a lot of these issues uh, in particular. Uh, I mean, for crying out loud, you talk about those two first round picks coming up and you know, you got some of the fan, some of our fans right now do want Caleb Williams. Others are saying, does it even matter? And I'm like, well, wait a minute <laughs> now, you know, we get, we still have to like address that. If we have a chance for someone like that, you know, you still have to consider it. Like, don't just throw it out the bat. Well, it doesn't matter anyway. It's like, don't be like that. <laughs> oh. Have we given up? Well, they did this last year. They were like, I kept telling people, I was like, we need to lose out. Once Fields got hurt, I was like, we need to lose out so we can get the best pick we get. Well, every pick we ever pick in the first round is bad. So what does it matter? I go, well, you still have to try. Right. <laughs> yes. So just because, the, just yes. because the other quarterbacks haven't worked out, we, we still got to try to find one. Guys. Right. Out loud. Like there's three of them I see right in this class where I'm like, I think you got three options. Now credit, that'll scare some people. 2017 all over again. But, you yeah. know. Like, I'm looking at, like, I got Caleb Williams. I'm a massive fan of Michael Penix. I watched him play at IU, and he went to Washington, and I got sad because IU had one great year with him. And then you got Drake May. There are options there. Of course, this is still way early. But, like, I'm, but this is the thing. You can't give up just yet. Well, it's like when yeah. they picked, um, you know, Matt Eberflus. Mm -hmm. I felt like in that moment they gave up trying to find an offensive-minded head coach. That, they, yes, they, yeah. fa yep. they failed on Matt Nagy, and they, they, that scared them so much that they went with this wild-card offensive genius hope. They were like, all right, we're just going to play it safe and try to find a defensive-minded CEO type. We're just going to do the opposite of what we did. No, try again and, do, and pick the right one this time. Uh, you know, you can't be afraid of your own shadow. That's another right. trend. They always do that. Lovey Smith to, you know, then get offensive mind guy, then get John Fox who's defense, then right. get Matt Nagy. Now we're back to Eberflu. So who's next? You know, right. like who are they going to get now? Right. Well, well, I mean, to me, I'd get John Har Jim Harbaugh. I know George too, McCaskey can... would never do that, though. No. I, I don't think. I don't know what their personal relationship is, but I just, from what I know about this organization and George, I don't think he'd want a Ozzie Guillen type you know, coach in here that you never know what he's going to say when he goes to the podium. But I think that's exactly what this organization needs. Even if he'd outwear his welcome after three years, because he's so volatile and shaking the tree, at least he'd come in here and shake the tree. Right. And you were talking about Justin, the pants. I know you say you can't say that Justin Fields is the problem. Ask Zach. I do it every single time. And this is where I, you can argue with me. I said, don't draft him. I was the guy that said, do not draft Justin Fields. I was that person. 
Why? Because I thought the O-line was the bigger problem than everything else that we had. Now, when they drafted him, I said, I understand why you're drafting him. But I'm on record on a way long ago podcast in 2020, 2021, saying that he cannot progress the way we're going to need him to progress. And it's finally starting to happen. Where I'm all over Twitter now saying, I kind of told you so. I kind of told you so. I kind of told you so. But I want him to be good. I know you were very positive about Justin Fields. How upset are you now that he's not kind of progressing the way we need him to progress? And I'm also on board with you. I blame everybody. I don't blame just Justin Fields. I blame everybody. O-line, wide receivers, quarterbacks, coaches. I blame everybody. And I think we all need to do that more is – they're professional athletes. They have to be able to go out and do extra things. Like you said, Tom Brady had to go out and do overcome some things. Peyton Manning has to overcome some things. Justin Fields has to overcome some things. And it's also coaching, but he also kind of just has to play, you know? Right. So I'm, I'm heartbroken is what the answer is. I mean, the Mitch thing was kind of more of a dragged out thing. It took like four years for the team and the fan base to just kind of let it all go. I'm one of those. I don't put my feet halfway in the water. So once it was starting to become identifiable that Mitch wasn't going to work, and this mm-hmm. was in the 2019 season before COVID. Yeah. Because yeah. I can remember standing in the stands with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah of ESPN 1000, and he was looking like shit against the Chargers. And they ended up losing on a missed field goal, I believe, where Matt Nagy didn't want to run the ball with like 45 seconds to get the field goal a little closer. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to Adam and Chris, because they were out on Mitch at that point, and I was kind of like, ah, it's not all on Mitch. It's it's Nagy. He doesn't know how to run the ball. It's the offensive line. They don't block. The receivers don't catch. And I go, well, at the end of the day, guys, if <clears throat> if you're out on him, if the organization doesn't truly believe in him, then draft Jalen Hurts in the second round. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't do that. And so for me, this time around, I'm kind of just nipping it in the bud much faster than I did with Mitch. And people want to say it's, you know, oh, you gave Mitch four years. You give, you know, uh, you know, uh, Daniel Jones gets how many years to be mediocre? Why can't this guy? Because our standards should be higher. And right. if you identify Pretty something much. and you know it and you feel it in your heart, just be authentic. And for me, I'm just at a point where, A, I want him to prove me wrong, but B, I don't think it's going to work out anymore. And and my answer is, is how do I feel? I'm heartbroken by that because never in my wildest dreams did I think that this would plateau faster than the Mitch Nagy era, which I thought was just a complete and utter disaster. And somehow this is worse. And it's worse because this quarterback has more, you know, talent, this offense has more players out, you know, that they acquired, you know, like I felt like this was going to be different and I should have known better. I really should have, but we all kind of live on hopes and dreams on meatball Island. And sometimes, you know, those dreams are most times those dreams are going to get dashed, but that's not going to stop me from being optimistic about the next regimen. I'm not going to let, sports break me my my inherent you know lifestyle is to always look on the bright side of things not just in sports but in life and so for me 
The next guys, I'm going to give just as much of an opportunity, root for them, buy their jersey. I'm not one of those fans. I'm never buying another active Bears. No, I'll keep buying Bears players' jerseys, and I'll keep letting them break my heart because one day there will be they'll come. There will be a team that comes around and a player that comes around that's different, and we'll all know when we see it, and that person and that team will win us a Super Bowl and we'll, we'll buy all the memorabilia He'll be right next to this Jordan, you know, montage mm-hmm. I've got next to me and we'll remember the glory days. And 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 that day will come one day. It's just I don't know if this team will be that. Well, that's one thing I respect about you and I told Zach was I generalize fans and the media. Then I said, I want to go back and listen to everything Braggs has done. So this past week when you and I said we we're going to come on, I went back to episodes and I was just listening to him on the drive to work. I was like, I respect him because he was very optimistic and now he's – He's realistic. He's going to say, I was wrong on this. I was wrong on this. And I don't think a lot of the Bears media people do that as much as you do. And I respect that because we can be wrong and it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to accept it. Then it's okay when they start doing well to also point out, but let's not dive too deep in because remember where we just came from. Like we have to be realistic. And so I respect that about you, that you have done that more and more that you've done CHGO because I'm an idiot and I generalize things. I just put people in a big pool because I compare it to LeBron James fans. That's what I do. They're just this big cesspool. Right. And so to respect you for always you're doing that, and I told Zach before he came, I was like, I'm going to tell him that as we record. I respect that because some media people I can't listen to anymore because they just dive so deep into Justin Fields and it's not his fault. It's not this guy's fault. It's, you know. Yeah, I've, I've always said that, you know, and I've been doing this a while now, five years of putting my opinions out there where people are stupid enough to listen to it. And I've always <laughs> said, if you're going to build your empire, you know, on a house of I'm never wrong, your, your, your house is going to crumble. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I just don't subscribe to that. I'm going to put my opinions out there. I'm never going to pretend like I know something I don't. Uh, you know, but I am going to give opinions on things I feel strongly about. And, and there's enough that I've seen mm-hmm. that I, that I can put those out there. I've been going to training camp for over 20 years. And while I don't know the game, like you guys might know it from an X's and O standpoint, didn't play football in high school. I was too busy doing drugs and chasing girls around. <laughs> and, but at the same time from going to camp so many years, you see it. You see the difference. Even if you don't know exactly what they're trying to accomplish right. on a play, you can see the difference between an average running back and when Tariq Cohen stepped on the field. You're like, right. oh, well, right. that's different. Yes. You can see the difference between you know, Cameron Meredith, all due respect to Illinois, and, <laughs> and, and, Brandon, and Brandon Marshall when he walks out there and he yeah. makes a one-handed catch. You're like, okay, I've never seen that before. Right. De- Devin Hester, when he first came on the practice field, uh, Peanut Tillman, uh, all those guys. <laughs> you want to talk about good vibes early was Erlocker, Ur- Briggs, Tillman, yes. Mike Brown, Tommy yeah. Harris. You're like, I don't know if I'm crazy, but all these guys are f- badass, you know, yeah. and, and you could feel it. You could feel it. And so that's that's how I try to generate my opinions is that feeling and the gut and the vibe and the eye test. You know it when you see it. But I agree with you. I think there's way too much pride in this industry. Uh, everybody's worried about cold takes exposed, trying to get them. Uh-huh. And so they, they don't put their opinions out there because God forbid somebody's going to pull a receipt on you. And <laughs> it, it, so what what happens then is. And, and this is also an environment that I think fans have, have hurt because they attack so hard, yeah. which is fine. Mm, that's that's yeah. their nature. But what it does for people that are scared of 
the reaction from fans is then you get fence riding opinions. You get people that hedge because they're trying to placate to both parties because they're afraid they're going to lose a viewer or a click or a fan or a follower. And I've just, I don't care. I'm where I'm at in this industry. I'm playing with house money. I would have never, I'd never in a million years thought I would get to this point. So I'm not going to, now that I'm here, start pretending like I'm someone I'm not. And it, and there's going to be people that don't like me, and there's going to be people that, that get on board with me. And luckily, I've had a lot of practice in that because my whole life it's been that way. You either love me or you hate me. It's really never been an in-between with me. So I, I do, in, your, in that regard, Steve, I, I think there's just way too much people not admitting when they're wrong, uh -huh. not being afraid to put their, their true opinions out there. You know, because of whatever the backlash will be from a, you know, screw that. Just uh -huh. be authentic. I don't care if you're overly optimistic or you're overly pessimistic or you're analytical or however you want to slice it. Just be authentic. That's uh -huh. all I ever ask from people because that's all I'm ever going to give. Yeah, be you. That's all I yeah. get from that. Yeah. I mean, that's oh, you just had to say that, didn't you? Stick yourself. Stick with yourself. You know, and go and go where you go. Like I'm not. I'm with that on the sense, you know, and, you know, being consistent with how you feel about something. Things can change. That's how life goes. But, like, you know, it amazes me how, th how you know, you'll see some stuff jump back and forth with, you know, whenever it's most convenient is how I've watched it ta take for not even our – not even, like, when we discuss the Bears. But, you know, if I'm talking national media, that's part of my job is basically watching national – is partially monitoring national sports shows for part of my day which can be fun, but can also be completely annoying when I have to watch takes and I have no choice. And I go, wow, this is extremely terrible. You took this because you have no anything else to say about that other than this position. Um, but it's wild. It, Greg, I, I want to circle back to this because you, did, you brought this up and I heard this complete conversation this week, and I really want to dive in a little more on it and maybe what you feel on this. Um, Josh Lucas jumping on 670 to the score with the – with, of course, uh, Parkins and Spiegel. Like, listen to the whole conversation a few days ago. Um, I'll admit I was floored hearing some of the info on some of the thought processes processes of the last roughly four-ish years. You feel the same way? Just kind of the, well, we this is how we evaluate the QB with the, with the newer testing system. This is how, in process, why we didn't go to dinner with certain quarterbacks or – comments that made or weren't made i mean this pretty it was pretty it was pretty in-depth and revealing interview i thought yeah at he's least been, for he, where we've been yeah he's been doing great he, he's 670 and he was on espn 1000 and he was also on hogan johns a few weeks ago so he's made a few different rounds he's very opinionated he's very uh, open about and detailed about the process like you said which really helps us as bears fans just to yeah. kind of get a peek behind this window so honestly we appreciate it i'm sure the bears don't but we do <laughs> as fans so <laughs> yes uh you know it's so frustrating when you hear the breakdown of mitch and mahomes and how it came down to the last minute and how many years were we in that 10 to 18 draft pick futility and the one year we're picking in the top five which was that well you say that every year we we fell one pick short of aaron donald and I, I was literally having a draft party at my house. We fell one pick short of Aaron Donald. And I literally shut down the party when we didn't get Aaron Donald. And my buddy was like, are you fucking serious? I was like, everybody, get the fuck out. I'm done. I cannot. My life is over. They're like, Greg, it's not that serious. I go, 
Aaron Donald. And they were like, whatever. You're you're being dramatic. Yeah. Five years later, this dude's pointing at his ring as he wins a Super Bowl. And it's the same. So all we ever said back then was like, man, if we could ever just have one year where we're not right in the middle in football hell and we're just really bad so we can get in that top five pick, get a generational talent. The one year we do that is the one year I wish we would have been picking 10th, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> right. It, because then they would, the choice would have been taken out of their hands and they would have just taken Mahomes for God's sakes. And it's so frustrating to hear that on that end. Now to what he talked about with fields, I did find interesting because I'm always reaching for that hope that, that useless well, sure. hope that yeah. always lets me down. And when you talked about that scoring system, that grading system, what, what help me out on what that was called again? I, uh, I'm, I'm, that's why I, I, I apologize. Cause I am. No, it's also, fine. Cause I'm, I'm definitely not, but <laughs> I'm also, a, essentially this, this essentially, it was a grading system, like about how fast he should be able to process. Right. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. And it came and, up actually post that the big, the big taking point was it came up post 2017, 2018. It started gaining traction into the 2020. Right. Draft it wasn't available class. for the Mitch draft, but it right. was yes. for the fields yes. and that it showed that fields graded out well. And that that's how he took a little bit of that as like, this might be more of a coaching issue than a fields issue. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. okay. There's, yeah. there's, you're pulling me hey back now. in. Well, and, and then you've got these other tape breakdowns, Chase Daniels, you know, uh, Dan Orlovsky, all these other different guys coming out this week and really kind of putting their foot down and saying, this is not on fields. So you add that with the grading system, little tidbit. And I'm like, because when I, we're all trying to decipher who to blame here, right? Right. And and it could be an everyone problem. It's like maybe it is codex isn't. or something right now. You right. Know, picking the clues. Exactly. So it's like, you know, because I keep asking, like, okay, if this keeps going the way it's going, you got to change something up. And my biggest question is, is it the quarterback that's going to get benched first, or the co- the Luke Getzey that's going to get fired? And it's it's literally a coin flip to me. I can't decide which one will happen first. And maybe, maybe Ryan Poles will evaluate it that it is the coach's problem. Maybe he looked at that grading system. Maybe he's looking at the same film breakdown the way Chase Daniels is looking at it, mm-hmm. and is saying, "No, this is on Luke." You know, and and I'm gonna sit him down, take his play call sheet away, and we're gonna see how Justin does with Andrew Janoco. Or it's going to go the other way. Either way, we that the only way you're going to find the root of the problem is to change something. Mm-hmm. Now, right. as Bagman said last week, when I wore the bag <laughs> on my head, they have every opportunity for the both of them, all three of them, to turn this around this week. And who better than a team that's given up 700 yards and 70 points last week? You know, and Hogue said, well, Braggs, they had Tyreek Hill on the field. Okay, then just score 40 points and I'll be fine. Like, yes. <laughs> you know, and they have every opportunity to turn around this week. Am I overly confident that definitely will happen? Not necessarily, but I'll give away a little tidbit since we're here and I'm sure the article is going to get posted. I've picked them to win this week. I don't okay. know why, but I just, when I look at these two teams, I, and I know maybe I'm skipping ahead, but that's my little giveaway is that I am hopeful for every, all this talk we've just had. That's all I'm trying to make the point of for all this talk of gloom and doom. It's over. Let's look forward. Let's fix, get a new head coach, get a new quarterback. I am picking them to win this week. And if I'm right, uh, then I, then I feel really good about going into Thursday, but they got to do it. 
I know they're not as bad as they've looked these first three weeks. And that's what I'm banking on is that the law of averages, water is going to find its level here. That's literally all I have. I have no other proof to give you guys of why <laughs> this is going to happen other than there's no possible way that it can be this bad because it shouldn't be. It's, it's, right. it's, it's indefensible of how bad it's been, but I'm willing yeah. to give it a chance. Nate Davis should be back. Then with the Washington game, you might have Tevin Jenkins back. It looks yep. like he's ready. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. hey, that's where it starts in the trenches, you know? And and so I'm I'm still hopeful is the point. I didn't mean to skip ahead to one of our upcoming well, I, No, no, no. I mean, look, I, 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 this to me really is such a vital week to saying, okay, you know, we're, we're reevaluating every week on like kind of like just dipping another level down. And now I'm like, okay, we can't go too much farther because Bedrock's right below this, or it's about where Denver was last week. Like we're we're in that class. Like I think I think uh, Adam Hogue made it made a point during during Week Three's contest against Kansas City where it's going. The Bears' next two opponents are very much have been outscored this week by a wide margin because you know Washington got destroyed by Buffalo at the same time, and then basically we are in the exact same class where good opponent comes in wipes the floor with suboptimal opponents like Washington and Denver. And I'm going, okay, these next two, these next two teams we're playing. This kind of shows how low or how low we are or where we truly will sit. I think Denver specifically, you can't, I don't think you go much lower than if you do take an L to a team that dropped a 50 point loss margin and credit. It is Miami. Like Mike McDaniels, Jesus, that man is an offensive genius. I cannot believe how much they have, gotten things pieces together and play call schemes so well done there to get everyone thrown off. But that being said, Denver's not exactly uh no one's looking at that with rose tinted glasses really right now. So I get it. You kind of have to say this is where it should be. I'm optimal. It's a winnable game to me. Like I'm going into this like as a fan going, okay, I'm gonna be a little ticked off if you don't come out of here with a W because this is a winnable contest with the pieces you've invested and I mean, with the talents still, we have. I don't see how, like, to me, if you lose, I'll be like, it's because we really are that terrible. Or I mean, if, if they, that, lo that if they lose this game, I'm now transitioning to rooting. I will. The tankathon is not on right now. They lose this game. The tankathon is on. And <laughs> Bring out the I, guns, baby. <laughs> it's, again, I'm no half measures. I'm not a half measures guy. So if you want to win, go ahead. But then you better win Thursday so we can go into this 10-day layover looking at a chance to be at 500. If you if you it, it, do not lose one of these two, if you're gonna lose one of these two, just lose both, because you're wasting my time at that point. And mm. maybe it's a waste of time completely, because then the funniest part is like, as much as I'd prefer them to win a couple games, so we can have ten days of you know a transition conversation. Because like another part of this is, yeah, I do have to talk about this five days a week, right. and for and I love it. Don't get me wrong, I'm living my dream. But oh, yeah. it would be nice to just we're talk we're literally it's just redundant at this point. We're we do literally eight shows in a six day span during the season, and it's just the same conversation over and over. And people are like, "Get to the football talk. What do you want us to do? <laughs> well, just bury the team every day. Like at some point, we got to let Carm sing some songs. I mean, for real. Like we got no choice at this point. Like it's it, we got to laugh to keep ourselves from crying. So it's like. 
I there is a part of me that's just like, man, win a couple games so we can like at least. And the funny thing is, in my on, in my honest head, is win a couple games so we can have some false hope. That's honestly oh, yeah, well, how yeah. that's honestly how pathetic I am. Because then the the transition question there is, how is that bad of me that I'd prefer them to win two games just so I can have some false hope and fun for a second, I mean, or is it better for the franchise to just plummet and lose out? Because that's what's best for this franchise. Like, I, I, I honestly, that's what I mean. I'm not a half measures guy. And so, like, those thoughts are, are things that I, you know, have in my mind and I say to my friends. And sometimes I blurt out on the show and upset fans when I say them. I know for the sake of fans like my dad who, ri- who rides emotion week by week and not by whole thing, I know he probably would like that boost. I, I would, as a guy that's, much like how I take with like, and Steve knows this too. I try and stick a full level. Like, yeah, I'll watch a win, but that doesn't mean you're going to change my needle on. Okay. This has completely changed how I have an outlook on this team. I know what opponent we're playing. Like that's how I eval every week. Like I know the opponent, but I also know how we are. I'm not going to, I don't roller coaster is what I'm saying. But for those type of folks, I think that's yeah, what you need. I'm the roller coaster. Give me, sure. give me the good vibes like for a little bit. So I don't have to hear, uh, like freaking, freaking uh, Lashawn McCoy diss on me for a week or something, so I can just get that off my back, something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's where we are, where we are. I, I feel, and uh, week four we'll definitely talk talk on absolutely because it's kind of weird. You have two teams that, you know, one I think is has these hopes of a new coach with Sean Payton, and how that's kind of felt like everyone three weeks in, at least a lot of media personnel in the national scene have gone. Oh boy, this isn't going to go well. Well, he might be walking out of here pretty soon. He wasn't really a fix. You know, Russell Wilson being now going from a darling to in two years a punching bag in a way, but still has a lot of talented pieces, and they played games close. I mean, if you want to ignore playing a team like Miami, they've really played opponents like within close games or just blown double digit leads in the course of Washington, which again, as we established a little bit ago, we're kind of on the same level as Washington, too, in a way, it feels. Maybe not. I don't know. But, like, that's the scale of opponent we're looking at right, right now. So, <laughs> you know, kind of can't. Like, week three, I have to almost throw out with the bathwater at that yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, you definitely do. I mean, I think it's more how they lost than that they lost uh, to Kansas City. I, I fully expected them to lose that game. Um and all the fans, I pleaded with them to please don't give Kansas City your money, especially when they blocked us from having a Germany trip. That pissed me off too. I mean, <laughs> look, yeah, now I should yeah. be thanking them because we probably would, we probably would have been flown out for that ass whooping. But at least <laughs> I would have gotten to see like a new country or something. But you know, at the same time, uh, then everybody was like, "I'm gonna, I'm glad they're not going to Germany because now I get to go to Kansas City and eat some barbecue." I'm like, you know that the barbecue is readily available at any point in the year. You don't have to go and spend eight hundred dollars to watch Taylor Swift kick your face in while you're eating barbecue. Like that's that. Like for me as a Bears fan, that you know, when I used to just identify one game I was gonna go to a year or two, I'm you know sometimes I'd roll the dice and spend my hard-earned money on a on a big game. But then there were other times where I'd play that I'd, I'd pick the homecoming game because right, I wanted yeah. to, I wanted to see a win. I wanted to pay to see a win. You know, if I'm going to go and spend all that time and money, I want to see them win the game. So I'd pick the lions every year. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it normally that, that, that theory, that uh, formula worked many years. Uh, but, 
now it's, it's changed. Not, now, yeah, it's <laughs> it, we are the lions. I mean, I saw somebody put on Twitter. I'll probably butcher this, but he said, she said it was a great tweet. She said, the lions are the new the 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 lions are the or the bears are the lions. The lions yes. are the Packers. Yep. The Packers are the Vikings. And the Vikings are whoever the fuck. I can't, I've, I've lost. <laughs> I've lost my track. But it was so true. I was like, oh man, she's so right. This role reversal in this division has certainly taken place, and and the the division was for the taking, and it looks like the Lions are taking it while we're, you know, shitting down our leg right now. So yeah, I mean, looking forward to these two games. It's like. Just give us hope, man. I mean, just play some goddamn football. I like what they did this week. My plea to them after the Kansas City game was like, don't talk, just play. Just do Last it. week was way too much talking. And it's honestly, looking back, crazy to me how much talking took yes. place when you consider the Allen Williams stuff was going on. It right. would have been the yeah. perfect week to batten down the hatches, don't say a word, and just get to Sunday because we got to sort this Allen Williams mess out. Instead, we had that on top of all this other stuff going on with talking and uh, pointing fingers. This week, the tenor was exactly where it needs to be for an 0-3 team. No, no more talk. We're going to play. We're going to the, the, the only, you know, the only thing that I heard that was echoed between each person was attention to detail. Bingo. That's it. Move on. Get mm -hmm. to Sunday. Uh, you know, attention to detail. Win a football game. Right. Because we got to see that next step be taken because they've been playing like shit. Like, it's not like they were competitive. You know, they haven't been competitive. They had to take that next step. And that's the thing is. Do we want to see the defense take the next step or the offense take the next step? We want to see both, but we know it's not going to happen with all the stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the offense. I mean, that's what we're all dying about. It's, it, 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 you know, we could probably accept an 0-3 season right now if these games were 42-38, to 38, but our defensive line couldn't generate a pass rush and every Bears fan probably out there would be like, well, they addressed the offensive line and – you know, they did this and they're trying to develop the quarterback and they just didn't have enough bullets to, you know, also address the defensive line as much as they will. We could rationalize that. I, I would be able yes. to get there yeah. and be like, well, we got two first round picks next year and we're set on offense. And next year we've got just as much salary cap and two first round picks. And, you know, we're, we're going to be next year. We're going to we're really going to kick your ass. But with all these problems, it, I mean, if you had to pick, it's certainly the offense. And then the problem with all of it is is the injuries have just mounted uh -huh. up. Yeah, the entire secondary is out. That's that's the one thing where yeah. I was like, Greg, you're picking them to win and and you're you're setting yourself up for failure because the biggest reason why they won't win is because they have no secondary. Eddie Jackson's out. I I mean, we'll see. He hasn't practiced all week with a foot. Josh Blackwell's did not practice all week. Um Jalen Johnson's got a hamstring that's popped up. Didn't practice all uh -huh. week. Kyler Gordon's already out who was supposed to like be a budding, you know, you know, guy leader, you know, that was, I mean, he, he, you want to talk about guys where you were like, you know, it when you see it at camp, he was going to have a breakout season. I'm fairly confident in saying that. And now we'll never know because he's mm -hmm. hurt and who knows when he's going to come back and how he'll be able to rehabilitate when he does and reacclimate when he does come back. So the whole secondary's out and Russell Wilson has been throwing the pill around pretty well. Mm -hmm. despite yes. Denver's problems. Yes. So that, I mean, for the, all my hope, that's the reason why they're not going to win right there. So, you know, um, in that regard, then you, you know, 
to me, no matter what the defense does, because everybody keeps saying, and I get it, they certainly should be blitzing more, but it's basically death by a thousand cuts or death with the hammer over your head. So if you want to blitz, go right ahead. Like last week, you know, Brian Baldinger, I love it. And I agree with him, you know, playing way too much zone, playing zone and not generating a pass rush is just, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to kill you. He had a great mm-hmm. line where he's like, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you take him to the state fair and he's going to win you the biggest teddy bear. He's going to hit every milk carton. So he's right. But at the same time, if you blitz him, he's just going to pull the hammer and hit you over the head with that too. And, and kill you on, you know, instead of death by a thousand cuts, he's going to hit you with, you know, four 50 yard bombs. So, you know, to me, there's not much the defense can do one way or the other because of all the injuries they have and the lack of depth they have on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, then you just hope that the offense can turn it around and we have a shootout and Justin Fields wins that shootout. That's that's the only hope they have because they have the pieces on offense to do that. They're just not executing on offense, and that's the reason. Defense, they don't have – between injuries and depth, they just don't have enough talent on that side of the ball. Right. I, right. Me and Zach did a preview, and I said that about this Bears team. They don't have depth. We have great starters. It's the depth on offense and defense. Someone gets hurt, you, you're in trouble, and then you got to overcompensate that. And, you know, we were hoping the defense could generate pressure, but by God, your leading sack leader was your safety, and now he's gone. So it, it, who, who's going to get to the, to the quarterback? They don't know how to pass rush. They're young. There's no depth. So I agree. The offense has to take a next step and be competitive, and show that they can complete a pass. Show they can run the. They gotta run the football more too. That's a whole other. They, like you said, I loved your rant. Why did you stop running the football against Kansas City? They had an eight-yard run, and then they had another run. Then all of a sudden, you do a zone read with Justin Fields. Maybe he gets you six yards. Like it's just. It feels like the grand the last, mystery of the calls. The you last know, like two weeks. The the last two weeks, we had a guy from Kansas City, my good friend Johnny B, diehard Kansas City fan. How do you, if there's any way to beat Kansas City, how do you do it? Run the football, play time of possession, play yes. keep away. Well, obviously that didn't happen, and they probably wouldn't have beat him even if they tried that. But that was his suggestion. This week, we have Henry Chisholm from DNVR Broncos on. Mm-hmm. How how do you think we should attack the Broncos? Run the football. That's what he said. Run the football. We gave up 250 yards on the ground. Uh, to the Miami Dolphins. Everybody wants to talk about Tyreek Hill. They ran the piss out of, you know, the yeah. they ran him out of the yard. Right. Run the football. Play keep away. That's how you're going to beat the Broncos. Watch last night's game. Lions and the Packers. David Montgomery, first time in his career, running the ball for over 30, car- 30 carries in a game. Had three touchdowns. He only averaged three yards per carry, just like he did as a bear, which is why I always said, every, you know, Hogue always tries to bust my balls as this Montgomery hater. I respect David Montgomery, but I was simply saying that Bears fans were overhyping him. He's a he he is who he is. I and but in in an environment like Detroit, where they're playing time of possession, they're playing good defense. You run it thirty-two times, even if it's at three yards a carry, it's a war of attrition. So you could have done that here, but instead we ran David Montgomery. 11 times for three yards a carry. That's a, co- right. that's not a player issue. That's a coaching issue. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I will, I will say I, I'm one of those on the opposite side of the fence with Monty. So I fascinated you brought that up because yes, the three yards a carry thing I always bring up, but he does, but he brings up the, the yards per carry issue. I just miss the fact like we already don't have much blocking assistance as it is in my eyes. And that's one thing like I still respected the hell out of is that 
when you had to pick between a, you know, <laughs> when you pick, had to pick between who you're going to put in the backfield on a drop back, like mm-hmm. I'm easily picking Monty every time if I needed someone to be that extra blitz pickup. And I had a Rams fan joke with me online about this where it's like, well, you know, he got knocked on his ass week one. It's like, yeah, but that's like one, you're picking one play that he got knocked on. Like, trust me, if you watch his film, he's a really damn good blocking running back. And that's what killed me was like, we could have paid a few extra million to retain a really good blocker with a really hard-nosed running style. Yeah, that was what a, hurt me this he's year. He's a winning football player. I'm not going to argue with Well, and just, a locker room leader, too, because he had a good voice guy. in there. He's a locker know? room guy, although I was surprised that the players didn't vote him as a captain as yeah. much as this locker no, room guy yeah. um, thing is propped up. And I do believe that he is from watching how he carries himself on the practice field and, and the way he conducted himself as a bear. I did think he was a leader, but it was weird that he wasn't voted a captain. And, and then when... We one of the Robert Quinn was sent out of here. Uh, he was one of the captains, or was it Roquan? One of the two were a captain, and when they got traded out yeah. of here, and then they replaced, and it still wasn't Montgomery. And I'm like, yeah. what is going on with this? Like, how is he not one of your captains? Didn't make much sense to me there. I do agree that he is, you know, a winning type football player. My whole point was that he was just simply a little overvalued by Bears fans. Like, he's not. Well, you know, I'm not trying to use the extreme. Oh, no, no. Look, I live in the world of hyperbole. He's yeah. not Saquon Barkley. He's not, you know, uh, you know, Walter Payton or whatever. And I, to me, I think Ro- Roshan Johnson can be every bit of what yes. David Montgomery yes. is. I like the potential I, he's got. I mean, Tom Hard Thayer knows. said in the preseason that he's one of the best blocking running backs he's ever seen coming out of college. Yes. And Tom Thayer doesn't live in the land of hyperbole like I do. So <laughs> I, I think that they made the right decision in that regard. Good for da- I'm happy for David. Good for him. Had a great night last night. Um, but if they'd use Roshan in that exact same way here, you know, but the problem is, is hard to play war of attrition, time of possession, run the football the way I keep preaching when the defense, you know, it, you know, can't get off the field and can't stop giving up points. Well, that, so this is a collective, too. you know, it, it, these problems intertwine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be an issue. Like, honestly, I see like uh, Roshan's on when he's on the field, you get a little bit of extra spark. And then I see, I see items like, for example, last night, like, I know the conversation about Jameer Gibbs not playing is, of course, active. Like, one of the few things you can talk about Detroit where it's like, why aren't they using him in access? But you see how, like, Monty's used. And I almost wish, like, we look at how we look at the Bears when we look at the running back situation and go, be, I wish we were decisive on that. Because I feel like a lot of times you'll see if you get in the running plays, not just that we abandon it, but you'll get someone that's on a heater. Like, the whole running back by committee to me a lot of times is based on, well, whoever gets the hot hand, let's ride them. That's part of the whole strategy. And so, well, wait a minute. If Roshan Johnson's getting hot, why don't we ride the bell cow that's hot right now? And so it's – but that's the whole, like – but it's almost like Catch-22. But it's like, well, a committee is to help us spell the back. But it's like – but you don't understand. The reason there's bell cows is because they are good running backs and they're hitting strides at the time. Like, it feels like that's like my one issue with committee running back – or backfields – is you well, almost you, have yourself in a catch twenty two situation half the time. But well, you, you, know? you thought you thought that they were gonna do that or and go to Roshan when they put Deontay or Dante Foreman inactive week two. I was like, okay, they saw what they saw on tape. Foreman's inactive. 
and they're going to use Roshan as the hammer, and 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 Khalil Herbert as the change of pace. And instead, they didn't use either. And both have been doing well when they give them the ball, but they won't give them the ball. They only both of them had against Tampa twelve combined carries. Yeah, atrocious. Well, I've been saying that since Montgomery was there. Montgomery's your hammer, and Herbert's a better route runner. Why not have both in the backfield? Motion one of them out. Who are you going to guard? And I said that since Matt Nagy was there. I said it now. I don't understand what they're thinking. And I thought that. Roshan Johnson, if he's running, 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 sub him out for three plays, put him back in. That's how you should rotate running backs. If they're hot, take him out for three plays, three carries, then they go back in. Well, or, and look at and look at all the positive plays that Justin has had passing the football. Where wh- when have they happened, Coach? When it, in the, the few positive passing plays, what is the common denominator in those plays? <laughs> the common denominator is that he's audible. In he's audible. Yes. Plays. Yes. So if you have a running back that gives you that ability, because yeah, everybody talks about Khalil Herbert's blocking is not maybe to the standard of Montgomery or even Roshan as a rookie. But when you have a running back that can block out of the backfield, that gives Justin Fields confidence to be able to audible into different things, go in, audible into a run or, or change it out to a pass. And then, boom, now you've got the defense – you know where you right. want them, and you can attack, and and you've seen that a few times this year, but not enough. Right, that's the one thing in Justin Fields' game I think's gotten better. Because at Ohio State, you don't check out of plays; it's RPO. It's just throw it up to your first round wide receiver. You know, you have two running backs in the backfield that average over 120 yards on the ground per game at Ohio State. This year, I think that's the one step he took was checking to a better run play, checking to a quicker pass. Um, but he still holds on the ball too long and stuff like that. But, yeah, that's the next step is, like you said, when he checks out of a play, he's gotten better at that, and that's where maybe processing the play has gotten better. Now, you know, post-snap, it's not going yeah. the way it needs to. But pre-snap, he can pre-snap check. Pre-snap read, <laughs> yes. I mean, post-snap read, it, it, he's like blind, man. It's literally it's gotten to a point where his confidence – because I think it's I think the biggest issue with him, you know, maybe he doesn't process fast enough. Maybe – he doesn't throw with anticipation fast enough. But the biggest problem across all of it is his confidence is shot. Uh-huh. And then that makes those problems ten times worse. Because now when your process is already slow and you're now you're questioning everything you do, and that's what he was talking about last week where he's like, I just got to be myself. I'm too robotic. It's all in his head. It's yep. all up there where, yeah, he might have some limitations. I'm sure other – quarterbacks that are successful in this league have those same limitations but their confidence isn't shot so they're able to bounce back from a bad play and then and not let it multiply and not let it turn into quicksand and right. and he's in that like in the replacements movie one of my favorite football movies they talk <laughs> about the, the, he's in that quicksand yes. right now yeah. You know, and they all talk about their biggest fears. And the one guy's like, bees? And they're like, bees. bees. And he's <laughs> that's where he's at right now. He's he's <clears throat> the bees are buzzing around him and he just can't see it because and you got guys wide open in the middle yeah. of the field. He's look and then the craziest part about the all twenty two is he's looking he's in looking at it. one thing if it if he was like you know, just staring down the guy on the left side and DJ's cl- – he's looking right at him yeah, and he still might... can't see him because his confidence is just completely shot right now. And it, and that to me is like – because it's like this optics thing where you don't bench quarterbacks anymore because that means it's an indictment on your development as a coach and that everyone should be fired. 20 years ago, if somebody was this catatonic, 
they would just sit you down for a second to let you reset. Mm -hmm. But he's in his third year. He shouldn't be at this point. And if you do that, you've admitted that you failed as a coaching staff. So we're not going to do that. But it's it's to the point where it almost feels like that's what he needs to just reset mentally. That I mean, I'm just trying to find solutions. Everybody can point out the problems. Sure. But at some point... You know, trying to find the solutions is a what the coaches should be doing, but b some of the conversation that I want to transition to because, like I've said, we spend eight shows a week, six six days a week talking about the problems. You know, but at some point you got to try to figure out how it could be fixed, even though the coaches clearly you know aren't interested to <laughs> logical reasoning of how to fix that. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would put money down, and I'm not saying that coaches look at every coaching staff around the league. But I imagine if you are maybe like an Eberflus or a Getsy right now, you're kind of side-eye going, huh, you know, Zach Wilson got a lot of flack for – or basically that coaching staff got tons of flack for benching him last year in year two. And that's kind of what you're talking. It's like, well, we're going down a path as soon as we put this, you know, our star young QB – you know, the one that we want and have put all our all of our eggs in our basket for once he goes on the bench. I think that's like what you're talking to is like once we go that step, you see folks go, well, there's no turning back now. And then it completely flips the script on something, you know, even if it's, you know, something that like you're talking. I don't disagree. Mental reset to me doesn't feel like a bad thing because of the fact that you have someone that is getting barraged constantly for two for really two years now. I don't even count. 2021 you know for two years now about hey is he a run is he a runner only can the guy throw guy only throws 150 yards a game or something like that you know and then of course now we adult we develop we watch him grow as a passer supposedly off season and then go and then he comes in and goes well now he's not running the ball well now he's now he's not sure he's not seeing guys he did all this development we got dj Moore for all this you know claypool was a first round pick trade essentially and that hasn't he hasn't found him and you know and i just look at like I look at that situation and, you know, what Wilson went through, last, what Zach Wilson went through last year probably, and I'm like, well, I feel like if they, you're borderline close to that step, if and if you, you're that's where you go to the conversation in both local and Chicago and national. As soon as he sits on a bench or is told he's not playing, well, things have changed, and uh, it's like there's no turning back. Even if you wanted to try and turn back, it's like the mood changes instantly. At that yep. point. Yep. I mean, when Jay Cutler was starting to get to the end of his line, uh, I can't remember who the offensive coordinator was. It like Aaron Glenn or something? I can't remember. Gee, well, geez, when Jimmy Clausen yeah, stepped in. Yeah, and they in. benched like, him for well, Jimmy Clausen. Well, you're, you're the bench. We're right. putting Jimmy in. We're going to put know? Jimmy in uh, because the coaches were like, I'm not going down with this ship. This guy doesn't care about me. <laughs> right. He doesn't uh -huh. care about anything. Then when it was Mitch, when he first started, they had Mike Glennon in there, and I went to the Steelers game. And at that point, they were already playing terrible. That Actually, the day yeah. of the Steelers game, if you recall, they won in overtime. Jordan Howard with a game-winning touchdown. Mm -hmm. Tariq Cohen had that a, was a fun touchdown. one that day for Tariq me. Tariq Cohen yeah. had a touchdown yeah. called back in overtime of that game that I will li mm -hmm. literally never forgive the refs for. It was one of the greatest <laughs> runs I've ever seen in my life. And I, it just pisses me off still to this day. It's actually the same day I found out. we, My wife and I found out she was pregnant, too. So I always will remember oh. that day. But... When we got to the stadium, because I still made her go anyway, <laughs> and we got to the stadium, I was so pissed off that they weren't playing Mitch at this point. 
And I, I saw George McCaskey outside the stadium and was like, dude, you got to bench Mike Glennon. This is embarrassing. You're just going to piss away a season. And maybe I'm wrong. I may, all these people that say that rookie quarterbacks should just sit the whole year. And I've never been on that theory. Cause I watch other rookie quarterbacks come out that are it and, and get going and doesn't ruin their career. So I just feel like, Hey, if it's your guy, then he should be able to handle it. You know, maybe not. I, talent. You and know, everybody's that different. I'm not saying there's one size fits all formula for everybody. But so I went into the stadium and Dowell Loggins is walking out the tunnel and I was like, Hey Dowell, why don't you play the kid? And he turned around. And he's like, what's that? And I'm in the tunnel. All these fans look at me like, are you fucking crazy? And I'm like, why don't you play the oh, kid? God. I go, you literally are going to get fired if you keep running Mike Glennon out there. So my suggestion to you would be to play the kid to give yourself a shot. And he goes, you think I don't want to play the kid? And I was like, well, if you do, you might want to speak up because you and John Fox are going to get fired if you do not get something going with the kid because uh -huh. Mike Glennon ain't it. And he was just like, nah, nah, nah. and then he walked off and I was like, <laughs> and it was the same thing. They eventually went to Mitch there and that was, you know, because it was like their last hope, Matt Nagy, same thing with Mitch, you know, all right, I got to get rid of Mitch because now my job's on the line. I'm going to bring in Nick Foles and it didn't yeah. work for him either. So I tell people, I caution people. I'm like, just be ready guys. Because in my opinion, like would I fire Luke Getze first to see if I can unlock Justin Fields? Maybe that's what I would do. But I'm telling you, if I had to bet who's gonna be bet, who's gonna get the axe first, who's gonna be on the chopping block first, they're gonna bench they're gonna bench Justin before any coaches get fired. At least even if it's for a week. That that's to me what will happen first if they cannot get on track. Which I'm predicting they will, will get on track. So for anybody that's gonna watch this and then yell at me later for gloom and doom talk, I am picking them to win and getting back on track. But it's hard to ignore the elephant in the room. That was the thing. Like, if they do lose, when do they bench him? At what point is that going to happen? Well, like I said, they... it probably would happen immediately after the game, if not, or even Gutsy being fired one way or the other. Right. But with this yeah. short week, they're going to let this drag out. Like, we're literally, if they, are, if they lose to the Broncos in embarrassing fashion, just take that knife and dig it into your eye even <laughs> deeper because you are going to have to watch that again against Washington on Thursday because you can't make changes with a three-day turnover, you know? So they'll play it out till Washington, and then at that point the whole team's going to give up, and then we'll have 10 days for them to, you know, nut up and, and make some changes that aren't going to be popular in this town. You know, Al Michaels yesterday pre had the preview for Thursday Night Football for the fact that it's Chicago-Washington again and how last year we had to go through that same song and dance of the, of being that, oh, boy, can't wait for this game. Right. And it was amazing. Awful announcing did a great job catching the clip. But it's basically he goes, this is coming up next week. Okay, let's move on and get back to the game. <laughs> it's like he almost has PTSD. He's like, I am back in for the same world of pain. Well, well the I mean, week. these guys, they put the Chiefs and the Bears on the 3 o'clock slate. Mm -hmm. they, 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 don't let them fool you. They love the, the, this train wreck. They're like, hey, tune in for the train wreck. The Bears are imploding once again. I mean, they, they, 
there's a part of them that also like as terrible as the game is they revel in this storyline because i think everybody knows how emotional chicago is when it comes to the failures of our football team and our quarterback so they'll as much as they'd probably prefer a nice game it's not the worst thing in the world for the tv broadcast to have the bears embarrass themselves on national tv and and everybody's got a say and a take they're going to throw it out on broadcast i'm waiting for freaking kirk herb street to say something you know and have his own opinions on this when it comes down to that road uh Honestly, want to want to get into this and just kind of you said you you think Chicago's going to win next week or I this hope. coming weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay, well you're predicting like that's what I'm going to throw uh, out. You know, because I again winnable. What do you what do you think's the matchup key for you that says you know what Chicago's got this edge? You know, yes, we just talked about the about the injuries on defense. Hell, I'm worried about Jacron Brisker going down again in a game for a fourth straight week for crying out loud. Um, but how do you feel that how do you feel this is a the bears flip the switch yeah i mean i I think it's going to be a shootout i did pick that score to be 26 to 20 and now looking back maybe i should have gone a little higher than that but every time i think like when it's going to be a shootout it's going to be like 35 32 you you always forget you watch college football on saturday and the games Mm -hmm. take six and a half hours and then football (laughs) it's halftime before you know it and it's three to three you know and so i always try to like remind myself of that and that's why i shrink the number a little bit down so i've got them winning 26 to 20 handful of touchdowns and field goals for both teams and and that's where you know i think for me i think that the bears offense against this defense should be able to get back on track. I mean, the the last week's matchup could not have been a worse timing matchup mm-hmm. in the history of football for any team ever. I mean, the Bears could yeah. not have picked a worse week to play Kansas City than they did. So it like it makes zero sense, but I just also think that we're all kind of, you know, I think the Kansas City game's kind of distorting our view. This game's going to look a little bit more like the Tampa Bay game. Mhm. So it's going to be competitive, and I don't think Denver's as good as Tampa Bay. That game was in Tampa Bay. This one's in Chicago. And I I think, you know, with the fans, you know, and I always look at things from a fan's perspective, when they come out that tunnel, they're going to hear things they've never heard before. Justin Fields, when he comes out that tunnel, is because that week one game when he came out the tunnel, he's a hero. Mm -hmm. This is going to be the first time in Justin Fields' history that he runs out that tunnel and he's the enemy of the fans. I mean, that's what it's going to feel like. I'm not saying he is, but he's going to hear things from people. And I know some of these people in this that sit by that tunnel that are season ticket holders for 30 years. And some of them are nice and others of them aren't. And I don't agree with everything they yell at the players, but they do yell at the players. And to me, he's going to hear things that he's never heard before coming out that tunnel. And it's going to hurt. But how do you internalize that? How do you how do you respond to that? And to me, my hope is that they can get off to a fast start, which they've been known to do here, even through this 13-game losing streak. They right. do have the ability to come yeah, out and get a scoring drive to start the game. Bears fans are fickle. They might kill you coming out that tunnel, but if you can score a touchdown on that first drive, everybody just goes to a game to see a win. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much you're in on the tank. You don't go to a game to root against your team. You might do it at home, but anybody that pays their hard-earned money to go to a game, at the end of the day, just wants to have fun at the game. Exactly. So if they can get going, that positive momentum will turn. And this is where it's all for me. It's all that vibe stuff. 
You guys right. can talk about the X's and O's and what they can do better to run the football. That's the stuff that I think are keys. But I'm just talking about vibes, right. emotion, confidence. Those are the things that I think are missing from this team. And if they can get off to a fast start, get the fans on their side, get the crowd roaring, I don't care who's missing. That stuff helps a team play mm -hmm. harder and play above their ability or what their roster said it should. And last year you felt that when Justin Fields would lift the spirits of this team, all of a sudden a pitiful roster would compete against the likes of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers or, you know, Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. Why? Yeah. Because of the vibes, the confidence, the energy, and this team is lacking all of those things right now. So to me, a team like Denver is just what the doctor ordered. And uh -huh. they can get some scoring drives put together, get the f positive momentum and energy and vibes back in in a good spot, and and try to beat this team in a sh shootout, which I think they they are capable of. So I'm I'm throwing my hat in the ring, and I'm 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 throwing a hail mary here, and I'm hoping that that they can win a game here. Oh. I think I think the best way to equate what you're talking about, like you're talking like the Philadelphia game. I think back to Buffalo last year, because that one to me was like one a little bit more of a talented roster. We have that fan base on our side and having Josh Allen reeling that day. I really thought we could walk away with that. So you don't want to see quarter. You don't want to see going in early Q2. We have booze coming out of the stands. That That is a recipe for disaster. If we don't get off to at least, yeah, you get one touchdown drive. I'm talking like consistently get some movement and show some positivity. Don't, you know, don't turn over the ball, be ball secure you know, show some competence a little bit. Keep up, you know. Don't let Denver look like they are a class above when really they should be more at the same level in my eyes to where we are in many ways. Yep. So, and that, that and fans like you talk, like Chicago fans are, are one of the notorious fan bases for that. They will, they will let you know early if they are pissed off during what they bought a ticket for <laughs> you know oh yeah they do not wait around anymore they, they screw around it's gonna get ugly in there yeah they do not but wait it, it can go the other way it can go yeah. the other way and they're right. lucky that, like the only thing they got lucky with last week is that that kansas city game wasn't here you know oh, like God. that's yeah, the I mean, that's the only thing yeah. they got lucky about right now, so now you want to talk about couldn't have been worse timing last week maybe that one thing was that it wasn't at home this couldn't be a better matchup for a team in dire need. And both teams are saying that right now. But right. only one team is playing at home. Mm -hmm. And maybe it won't feel like home field advantage at first, but do what you got to do to turn that into home field advantage. And I understand Jaquan Brisker and Matt Eberflus have pleaded to, through the media that the fans need to have their back. Guys, we go it's to not. every game. We sell out the stadium for every game. We have your back. We don't give up on you guys. Booing doesn't mean we don't have your back. It means we think you're better than this. Right. It, we expect better than this. And you should too. Hold yourself to a higher standard. Play better football. Get the fans on your side. Motivate yourself to prove them wrong if they're booing you out the tunnel. But don't blame them for booing when they do when you do come out that tunnel. Just prove oh, yeah. them wrong. Or give them a reason to cheer, and I promise you by halftime, you'll be cheered as you enter the halftime tunnel and as you come out for the second half. But you gotta earn it. You gotta earn it and you gotta want it, man. And 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 this team, you know, they, I understand it's human nature to be down in the dumps, but you know, just watching their body language, 
you know, in the last game, you got to turn that around, guys. You got to turn that around. There, there's, you just cannot sulk. You gotta, you gotta take some pride, and you gotta, you know, a little bit of mental fortitude, and get pissed off, and 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 win a goddamn football game. I think that's just been my message all week yep. since I put that bag on my head. Win a goddamn football game. Well, confidence yeah. is king. You know, yep. I I could sit here and talk to you guys about X's and O's. I'm just a lonely high school coach. Confidence means everything. It don't matter. I mean, yeah, I mean, look at where I'm at. I know it's not playing football, but. I, I sit next to a guy in Adam Hogue that's covered the Bears for 20 years. And I don't know 10% of what he knows about the game. But I have confidence in myself that I can hang with the big boys. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to hold my own and, and be myself and who I am. It, it, I've, I would have never gotten to this point if I didn't have confidence in who I am. So that, that doesn't just apply on the football field. That applies in life, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got you to, gotta at some point, believe in yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. You trust what you're seeing. We, we all see the same same thing, you know, and just got to re, gotta reset. That's I'm, I'm in the same mindset. I just get something positive and see where we go, you know, a good distraction from some of the stuff. But winnable game. It's a winnable game. Simple as that. Um and I'm hoping we get to talk about a little bit nicer things. I hope I get to tune into 670 here. Olin Krutz and Patrick Manley say not have to worry about fans ripping them a new one or others. Or <laughs> you guys having to take comments where it's like, when's this going to change or whatever? You know, like, no, no bag get someone's... on my Please, no bag on my head. I was going to say, is the bag yeah, yeah. hot and ready? Is the bag just sitting it's there the, ready to go? It's there staring me in the face every day it's I in walk the, in It's the in the studio. shadowy corner of his office here. Yes, you know. laughing at me. Although it was, I do feel like it was probably my finest moment in my broadcasting career. And I don't know what that says about my career, but (laughs) when I went back and was clipping some of the stuff for social media, I was like, this is great. (laughs) I should wear this thing more often. I I sounded way smarter. (laughs) (laughs) But it's what we all needed, though. We were laughing. It's Bagman, and I just lost it. I was like, that's hilarious. Like I said, we laugh to keep ourselves from crying. So I'm I'm, I'm happy to be here. I was going to say, there's worse things things to do than that if there's worse yeah. things you could be doing <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah anything else for him zach he's our big time guest anything else uh mainly a reiteration of uh thank you for your time i mean i'm glad to get to chat with you um you know it's uh i mean for me you know i i talk with a lot i talk spring football a lot but it's not often i get to talk with someone that gets to you know talk in with the chicago media and be with be living that kind of dream type of scenario like that and also just to relate one-on-one with someone that you know is in there every day and seeing what things are out there you know i'm i grew up in the region i'm out in arizona you know i get more media coverage related things anymore but you know it's nice to chat back you buried the lead you you buried the lead here you grew up in the region (laughs) wait what region are you saying like northwest indiana that's what i'm saying yeah oh you're asking where specifically? I, I well, I'm just saying you buried the lead. I didn't know you were from the region. Oh yeah, no, I I grew up out there, like you know Valparaiso, Demond, Indiana. I and mean, you're types. aware oh, that I'm from the region, correct? I I will be honest, I did not catch that. So yeah, dude, I'm region made. I'm born and raised Crown Point, Indiana. I'm Forgive me in, for that. Then sitting yes, in, <laughs> sitting in Crown Point right now, class of 2004, man. That's funny. Yeah, no, hey, region roots run deep. So that's awesome. Yeah, damn right. No, hey, well, 
Yeah, <laughs> forgive me for not knowing that, but that no, is okay. It's I'm the guy the from Il- region rat. The I'm chat. the guy from Illinois. Whatever, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, well, the region, Steve, is just one of those notorious places. Like when I even like when I used to like go down to IU for my buddies, like they would they were down in school down there and go down there for like the Halloween parties or whatever. They'd be like, "Where are you from?" The region. They'd be like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> they knew. I, you know, I, we're, I, we're notorious. So <laughs> I, I tell people whenever it's like, "What? what how do you best describe the regions?" Well, it goes, "Well, Chicagoans hate you because you try and associate with Chicago, but you're not in Illinois, and people from Indiana hate you because you're not like the rest of Indiana. Right? You're just some dude that's a that's a poser Chicago into them. So right. right. That's you're what I stuck to, in like purgatory. Yep. Up there. We are. All, that's why we call it the region, man. And it's uh it's a real thing. And I take a lot of pride in, in where I'm from. And Likewise. Uh, so that's great to hear that you're from, from my neck of the woods. Well, okay. I live that, in Naperville yeah. where the bears want to go. So let's bring them on out. <laughs> well, the bears want to go everywhere and I'm trying to get them like they've, t- they've touched down in every town now, Kevin Warren. And I'm like, Hey man, once upon a time, they were looking at Hammond, which is like five minutes from my house. So, like, <laughs> yeah. if you could maybe check that area out again, there's a lot of steel mills that could just be bowled over, and we could put a stadium over there, and, and I'll be happy to, Good you know, uh, facilitate that. We can all tailgate in my front yard every week. I could have, geez, I could have a whole conversation on how that would, how that area of, of that of the region would look if you put the stadium there and did all the redevelopment pieces to it. Like, yep. no slight, like. Like Hammond or any or anything like that, or East Chicago or Gary, but like such an industrial, like all the industrial portions, and then be like, we're bringing a stadium and making a revitalization piece, and it's like this will feel so different than what I know of these yeah. of these cities. Yeah, it'll be but, interesting to see yeah. how all that unfolds. Right. So, well, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Uh, you know, I, I try obviously with everything going on, producing different. I got I'm producing the Cubs show tonight for CHGO and. Um, that's so, its own beast too. Yeah, Jesus. man, I, I'm I'm going through it right now. Notre Dame, I'm a Notre Dame football fan, so losing in the last second last week, uh, and then yeah. the Cubs blowing two, three Ugh. straight to the Braves, and Ugh. the Bears getting their face beat in. I'm I'm having a week. I'm having a week. So I I say um, damn it, Chicago, when I see a Cubs ticker, the score for their ticker come up every day. Yeah, because I'm like because of that. I could have a whole conversation with you about how I'm like, why did we? false hope we it was supposed to not be a year like that anyway but here we are and yeah well like i was gonna say though is you know um whenever my schedule dictates you know anytime you guys want me on i'm happy to jump on well i appreciate, appreciate it. it i mean and illinois plays purdue tomorrow too so i gotta deal with yeah. that yeah yeah well and this is kind of something that pisses some purdue fans off and when they realize it but and then uh, i'll have illinois fans i'm not a purdue football fan per se I, I cover Purdue basketball and I am a Purdue basketball fan, but I grew up a Notre Dame football fan and I couldn't gotcha. shed that, uh, even though I feel like they're never going to win a national championship. <laughs> and um, so when Purdue fans find that about me, especially now that I cover the team, they get really upset about that because they feel like betrayed. Uh, and then Illinois fans are always trying to jab me with football, and I'm like, nah, I, I root for this team, but they they lose games too. So I don't have much too much bragging rights there, but. Um, I also am a Purdue football admirer now that I cover the basketball team. Like uh, I've wanted, I, I was a big fan of Rondale Moore, wanted the bears to draft him. Oh yeah. I was a big fan of David Bell's too. And I've been surprised mm-hmm. that he hasn't been what he, what he, what I thought he could be in the NFL, but I guess it's all about timing and fit too, no matter what your talent is in this league. So, right. um, yeah, no, it'll be interesting college football tomorrow. Um, you know, I think Notre Dame plays Duke. So that's going to be certainly an Ooh, interesting match. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Big so time. we'll see. But yeah, like I said, anytime you guys ever want me on, happy to jump on. Appreciate you guys and your support to CHGO. Um, you know, just having fun over there. So we always appreciate everybody that tunes in. And anytime you guys need me, I'm happy to try to facilitate it as best I can. Well, we appreciate you. I appreciate Zach coming back. Appreciate Greg Braggs Jr. being on here. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Like and subscribe. And we'll see you guys next time.